You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Uh, hello. Say good morning, sir. Hello and good morning, sirs, all yeah. mams, peoples, uh, furries, children and mice, animals. hamsters of all ages. Yes, aliens that are here among us. Yeah, oh, they're everywhere. Welcome. Like those Doctor Who aliens that are just <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, we were just talking about Humble Bundles because Ghosts. there was a big Pathfinder Humble Bundle, but there's actually a Doctor Who role-playing game hum- Humble Bundle right now, too. I've seen those um, books. I've never and, played that game. Uh, so my DCC group, we're going to get ahead of stuff. They're <laughs> the majority of them. And by majority, I mean four, four out of the six players are in England right now on vacation. Wow. Um, and, uh, I swear every time they go to England, a member of the royalty dies. And, no. uh, they've only <laughs> been this one time, but it's been a hundred percent that they go and, and one member of the royalty dies. Dang um, it. They, uh, he sent me a text at like three in the morning because it's like regular time there. And he's just like, Hey, this humble bundle, have you, do you have any of the doctor who RPG stuff? I was like, I don't. And just like, <laughs> Oh man. And so I think he's going to buy that and try he's to like, back, yeah. <laughs> they're all addicted humble to uh, RPGs now. It's fun. Uh, hello. Uh, so we were off last week because of, uh, random running arounds, but I ended up doing a live stream on the main channel instead to do some DM mm-hmm. prep for uh, Great Modron March, which then also had to get canceled. It was kind of sad. Uh, so <laughs> we have like two weeks-ish to catch up on things. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing in the news right now, Sorry. yeah, I think the biggest thing that everyone's still talking about still um, is one D&D, obviously, but more specifically how the the Twitter, blogosphere, YouTuber people are all reacting to one dnd mm-hmm. i i purposely haven't made a video and i actually had like two or three people message me and they're like Wonder. are you gonna like make a video do you want to make a video with me should we make a video and i'm like i think it's i think it's a little too early for me to complain about i don't know it just feels weird and so i have not made a video on my like reaction to one dnd mm-hmm. uh initially what did you think i guess i kind of wanted to talk about that some more yeah, not I was, to like go it, over it entirely, like no, piece no, no, by yeah. piece, but just like impressions. I don't know. I feel like yeah, I think that right now there's just there's the the crowd who likes to let everybody know about they don't like D and D or the things they don't like about D and D, and they usually might be the people that will say, "Here's this other game that you should be playing instead." Kind of group or crowd seems to be just that much louder lately, right? There are just that much more people about how one D&D might destroy D&D or how, you know, this isn't good, these rules aren't great. And really, I was just like, there's more of that than you're seeing in videos of, hey, one d is great, look at this cool thing. But it's more all of these more well, negative videos yeah, and, and, and I takes think the, that I've seen. And that's the that's YouTube the algorithm frustrating yeah. where, like, negative things get clicks and people yeah. watch it. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know, like, the minute you're like, oh, 1D&D, like, a, a positive video where you're like, 1D&D does five things better than D&D 5E, mm-hmm. but, like, I don't, we also don't have the information to do that, but, like, those clickbaity no, yeah. things are, are frustrating. Yeah. Uh, and I think we talked about this maybe, maybe a couple weeks ago when we did our show, but just, uh, it's weird that I see the 
Pathfinder 2e people, like, I don't know, coming up. Definitely out of a the, segment of them. Yeah, segment yeah, yeah. of them, I should say. Yes, yeah, coming yeah, yeah. up out of the out of the, I don't know, just coming up and saying like, well, here's this, and you should play this. And uh, mm-hmm. for me, Spelljammer 5e was a real big letdown. I made a video on it. I was kind of upset with. Uh, the majority of of, <laughs> of spending money on a supplement that doesn't bring to the franchise what I wanted. And and I sure. think that's a legitimate thing where I'm like, I'm upset about this, but how many people are like, well, you just need to play this, you just need to play this, you need to play this. And it's like, well, I'm well aware that there's other systems that might handle this better. My yeah. complaint is, is that I was promised X and I bought it and it didn't come with that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but then I guess, was I really promised? Uh, and then it also just I boggles my mind because I see a lot of uh, or a section of the Pathfinder people coming up and being upset, but I don't see that anywhere from the OSR from DCC. Like those people just kind of mm-hmm. shrug their shoulders and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's another edition." Like whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's weird how Pathfinder and D and D seem to be uh, butting heads, and it reminds me of that meme where the guys in the in the uh, they're in the elevator or something, and he looks mm-hmm. at him and he's like, "I pity you." And the other guy's like, "I don't even think about you at all." Like, I feel like <laughs> yeah. that's what it is. Where it's like, these Pathfinder yeah. people are so upset that we play D and D five e, and it's like, I don't even think about Pathfinder, but maybe I should. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it, it has to be because that group of people, and I'm gonna that majority of the group of people who like to point out. Or like say D and D stumbles a little bit. They like they're the first ones to jump in and you know sing the praises of Pathfinder to your Paizo and then point out we told you so. Like we're haha, we, we you should have jumped. I feel like those are the same people that played D and D and moved to Pathfinder. So they have this burning desire to always explain why they made that move and why everybody else should make that move. And you're you're you know like there's that group of people. Whereas. I haven't heard of anybody that just started Pathfinder and it was their first game. It was always somebody, everybody I've talked to that played it came from one of those other games. Whereas like OSR has plenty of people that just were in OSR. They liked old school Dungeons and Dragons. They stayed with it. They never wanted to to go anywhere else. They stayed, you know, with with that thing. Or if you get some of the other game systems, you know, like um, uh, Vampire the Masquerade or some of these other ones that have a big group around them. But they're groups that may have never touched Dungeons and Dragons. Their first RPG was something other than that. And so they're not the ones that are jumping up and down and going, we told you, show, look at them, screw that game up mm-hmm. now, and you should come over and play this. But the Pathfinder group always definitely feels like this, the a group of D&D players that moved to that system. And I like Paizo. I'm like, I'm into all I the books it. and reading it. Yeah. But they're like, great. I'm not making any videos about like, aha, look at D&D. Because I'm just like, 5e is great too. And I'm loving the stuff, and I'm liking the the things. I did see the heat that you were catching. It was interesting to me because it was the first I went through your comments in that video you were talking about. And it there were plenty of the uh, D&D kind of defenders showing up, right? So there is this group also that if you say bad things about Dungeons and Dragons, there's that group that will come out and tell you how oh, you're yeah, wrong yeah. also in defense. So, like, you were saying, like, I don't like this, and there weren't these things in it. And there was just... 
Oh, oh and no, and comment then just like, section. Well, what did you expect? The, the design yeah, it's your fault for not 5e, understanding. It's your philosophy. Yeah, yeah it's your fault yeah. for not understanding it. And I was like, I don't. Yeah, I think maybe I can you're not be judgmental right. of a product. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, just laughing. But yeah, maybe maybe it is just those two small groups that are at each other's yeah. throats. The one that's trying to defend Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons when it doesn't really need to be defended, and the other one that's trying to. Uh, defend pathfinder when it's like was pathfinder even really attacked in this instance i don't know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. uh yeah maybe that's it maybe it's just the two small people specifically well, and it's i've been subtle... watching i've been following okay. it though i've been watching the the rules lawyer he's a pathfinder 2e guy uh mm-hmm. and he's also a lawyer apparently and that's his thing he's been making a lot of hot take videos and uh doing like the survey for D and and basically just kind of I don't want to say he's trying to be very polite and straightforward, but it does feel like trash talk towards Wizards of the Coast. Oh, oh it is, uh, for which sure. I'm like, I don't want to, I'm not defending Wizards of the Coast. Like they're a company, yeah. they're designed to make money, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but his yeah. videos are kind of interesting where I'm like, boy, yeah, these are the, but again, you're making those videos because they get, uh, they yeah. get clicks. So. And it's the passive <laughs> attack on, on Dungeons & Dragons. Like, you have the people that make the direct attack that'll just say, they suck or they do this. But then there's the other group that are attacking D&D, but they do it by trying to praise another game in the guise of they're actually still attacking D&D. And you can, you can kind of see through what they're doing a little bit, but it's like they're trying to hide their intent by saying other things. So I just think it's interesting. You know, we... We're so far into where 5e had started and where we're at. We've always been talking in our shows about where's the end point. Because at yeah. some point, these are games that go up to a certain peak of popularity. Saturation happens. Uh, everybody's played it or done it. They've, they've played a few years of it. They've played a long campaign. And then interest might wane or, or come away from it. And then it kind of dives down. It goes into obscurity for a little while. And then pop culture brings it back, you know, bubbles back up and nostalgia hits again. And, yeah. and boom, we're back into the booming golden age of, you know, oh, this was something we did in, at this time. This was something we did in the 80s or this was something we did in the 70s or 90s. So I kept wondering where our bubble would be. And maybe that's where we're at. We're just at that saturation level. And it does feel like even leading into a little bit of our pre-show talk, saturation always seems to be the death of these fun things right because everybody wants to be a part of it so now if we have 50 companies putting out 5e content campaigns and we're just really flooding the market with it that just puts it in everybody's face so much that now it doesn't feel special as it did three years ago when there wasn't as much in each book was more precious because you weren't getting as many different takes and as many different styles and and things but now we're 30 books in or we're 20 books in and we're you know, hundreds of Kickstarters into people building role-playing games. Now it's like, there's that point. Are we are we at the peak? Are we on the downhill? Where are we at on that? And, well, and and a trying to yeah. trying to predict is something that humans love to do, but we're also very bad at it. So uh, yeah. who knows? Like, who knows? I don't know. But doesn't stop us from doing predicting. But they've got a movie I think that's coming interesting. out. They've got and video games. <laughs> one of the one of the interesting thing. A lot of the D and D YouTubers and well, I, I shouldn't say a lot, but a couple of them were reacting to all of the one D stuff that came out mm-hmm. and um somebody was saying like uh basically the question came up because of their acquisition of dan of D beyond are virtual tabletops going to be the end of at table play or is it going to be one of those things where even at table play 
we're going to sit around a table with our laptops and see our virtual world on the inside and stuff. Um, and so I, I've saw a lot of things on both sides and it kind of makes sense, but I know somebody who predominantly or being, being yourself who predominantly plays at, uh, or online over the, over the computer. Do you think that like in-person play is going to all but disappear except for the, the 50 year old peoples at gate at Gen Con that still get around the table to roll real dice? <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I, we're all kind of moving away from those in-person things though, right? Like I remember as a kid, everything was about going outside, getting with your friends and doing all the things that you could possibly do outside until it was too dark and you were supposed to come home and have dinner with family or whatever. And that was the end of the day for playing. There was that shift at some point where it was, no, we're all going to play our computer game and get on and play with our friends or we're all going to get on and watch our TV shows at the same time. So we had to be indoors. We weren't necessarily with each other, but then we'd talk about it at school or we'd talk about it wherever we were. And that became the social thing. But it really started, kept, for me, I always feel like it's moved away from all of that stuff of just getting together in, in gatherings versus just telling each other about it or, or experiencing it through phone calls or through video games that you're playing online or through, you know, at this point, Zooms and VTTs and things like well, that I, now, where it's yeah. like, I think about I, all even my just, stuff is less, not just role-playing yeah. games, but it's like everything is less. Well, I haven't been on a job, softball yeah. team in forever, you know, or anything. I don't, I don't go to an office anymore. It's all go to an office, through yes. uh, Zoom and things like that. And so, uh, and that's a different thing, but we, we tried like DM Nathan and I, during the pandemic, we were trying to play online and he was saying like, I don't think I can do this. Like I can play online, but I start treating it like work where it's like, I'll open a new tab at a window and I'll do this. And I'm not actually like paying attention as close as I want to. Whereas like mm -hmm. at the table, he really liked that we were all engaged in there. Um, yeah. Another YouTuber was equating at table play to being kind of the same as uh, going to see live theater as opposed to going to see a movie or like going to see a band play live as opposed to listen to the CD. Like you can get the same music, but the experiences are very different. And that was definitely like kind of criticizing the experience of going to a movie. Cause I like movies. I think that is also <laughs> an, an experience movies. as opposed yeah. to just like watching something yeah. in your house. Um, but I, I don't know. I definitely still like to prefer to play at the table because I also get kind of distracted with online, like, especially as a player. This coming from someone who's going to run an online game here in the coming weeks. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's the, the convenience of being able to play online has meant that I can continue to play. Yeah. When there's not a chance in the world in the last five years, I could have a group show up to my house and sit at my table. There's just no group for me here that does that, right? All yeah. of the groups I have are people that are not in my town or not here. So be, I've gotten to play because of that. And I think that it has plus and minuses, like not having to travel to somebody's house or being in somebody else's house or being the person that has to host it and then clean up after everybody. Or you have a family or something's going on and they're trying to do other stuff while your game is, you know, doing your thing. You know, some people have a game room for that, but it's not always yeah, been yeah. that way. You might be at the kitchen table. You might be wherever. And I would always go to my one's friend's house where we did play live. We all sat around the table. And for whatever reason, this friend 
would always bring out the worst chairs for us to all sit in. And I dreaded having to sit for three hours in those stupid chairs to play the game I wanted to play because I was having so much fun playing the game, but I was in the stupid, uncomfortable chairs the yeah. whole time. And, and then stuff was going on. And then it was games got canceled a lot more when we were at the table than they ever did in the virtual because everybody has to think about their drive time to get over there. Everybody has to think about going out to do something versus I've got five minutes. The game's about to start. I just need to go sit down in my computer room and, and I'm on, I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm doing my thing. So I don't know. I, I have never thought that the VTT has detracted from the experience because mm. we're all talking, we're all laughing, we're all joking. Um, I can go and get a refreshment out of my refrigerator at any point. I think the real difference has always been just the change of role-playing games in general to people thinking it's more about being like critical role and being more actory and more I'm playing a part. And that seems different to me because we never did that at the table. Nobody had voices at the table when we played. It was Nobody, just, we just played I, what's a around game. the corner. I want to like it's a go game. Yeah, it was a yeah. tactical game with a story, and we had characters, and they were advancing. We were collecting loot, and we were doing things, but it wasn't. We weren't playing parts, right? We weren't the role. I I just saw when I um, when Seth did that video about role play versus role play. R O L E versus R O L L. All the groups I've ever participated in have all been R-O-L-L groups. You know, yeah. We just roll dice, have fun. It's a cool, fun game. It's like a board game. Same thing. Cool, fun. We're all f- having, joking around. Cool story around it. It's like, you know, that kind of thing. So, But I think there's a, there's a larger group out there that want to play those parts. So they want to dress up or they want to cosplay their character. Or they want to have their voice and their thing. And I think that comes from all the live plays that are out there that yeah. are trying to do well, entertainment. The type of but that's entertainment. Too right yeah That's, yeah yeah the type of games too because i yeah. i haven't played vampire the masquerade but it feels like that is a game that we do need to dress up and go hang out and light candles yeah. and be silly as opposed to D D. i'm like well yeah i just kind of want to roll some dice and stuff yeah but. and 100 percent of the, well not even 100 let's say 80 percent of a masquerades game is the conversation right is the talk between characters and then there might be some things going on that you're rolling dice or doing a combat or whatever but there's not a lot of that that i've seen in the games i've watched or even looked at Mm -hmm. versus if you watch real play stuff now there's a lot of that too how heavy is it just character interaction versus we're going through a map and we're trying to figure traps out and we're rolling skill checks and dice checks mm-hmm. and attack checks and two hours of combat and moving our miniatures around or whatever you're using. So I think it's um, pluses and minuses, really. I think it I, is. I, mean, I love I, getting there's together There's not an people, answer. But, like a lot yeah. of times I just propose these hypothetical questions. Oh, no, that's good. Uh, yeah. The other one though are, and I'm noticing this a lot, um, are VTTs, uh, or I should say, like, just the character builders and stuff that we have now, are they preventing new players from really learning the rules? Um, and case in point, we have a new player in the DM Nathan game, uh, and he joined. He's never played an RPG, and mm-hmm. because he wants to join our currently running game, we started him at level 5, 
but he's never played an RPG. He doesn't understand D&D. And so not only is he trying to grasp, like, well, what can I do as far as, like, a skill check versus casting a spell versus an attack? Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, he's trying to learn the D&D Beyond interface and is is kind of like, where do I go? What do I do? And I was thinking about that. Like, there's something... The D&D Beyond interface felt intuitive to me because I had built so many paper characters. Um, And so going in there, I'm like, oh, I just go like this and this and this. And I think the same thing, like I could pick up another virtual tabletop, like roll, uh, roll 20 and be like, oh, well, I need to find my skills because where are my skills? But if you don't know that skills are a thing, you don't know where to look (laughs) for them. And that's the problem we're running in with him. So... And again, this doesn't have an answer because there's so many people that could say like, well, I learn better like this. I learn better like this. But there's something to be said about learning the game mechanics physically before you start interacting with them digitally. And my last thing I'll say about this before I (laughs) hand it back to you is Magic the Gathering, I think, is a good concept where when I was playing Arena, it does everything for me. It won't allow me to cheat because I, oh, I can't do that. Uh, But I don't feel I really understood the game until I sat down at the table with my friend Matt and we, and he taught me magic and we played with these new forgotten realms cards that I had. And I'm like, Oh, so I can do this. You start understanding the core gameplay, which then helps you build better decks rather than throwing a bunch of cards together in arena like I do. And then like, Oh, I can't actually do what I thought, you know? So do you feel that the having all of the math done for you prevents you from really like I don't know biting Learn, into learning the game? I'm going to be the contrary opinion here because I remember at every single table I played at, we always had half of the players who were there to have fun but religiously never read the rule books and never learned their character sheets and were always having to be asking oh how do i do this again yeah how do i do that again all the time no matter how much we would tell them go look at your character sheet and i think also character sheets are confusing if you put a character sheet written in front of anybody who's never seen a role-playing game it's gobbledygook it's like a spreadsheet that can't be deciphered and you're like okay what do you want to do here's your sheet and you're like whoa what's going on here it does take time to learn that or somebody to show it to you. Or if you're a self-teach learner, then you having to figure out what does this piece mean and how does it go back to the book? Just like in uh, D&D Beyond, you would need somebody to either tell you what that is or yeah. you'd have to go back to the book to reference the same way. Um, I do think there is a ton less argument or misunderstanding of the rules because the system from a virtual tabletop is interpreted it the way it's supposed to be interpreted and it moves forward. Like magic's a great one because I remember always looking at a card and reading it and then the person I'm playing, my friend, and I'd be like, this is what I think it does. And they're like, well, I don't think it does that. But I'm like, yeah, well, no, read it. It says, and there was nobody this, this, to this. adjudicate that. But point. you're like, yeah. but they're like, no, 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 that's not what it, that's not what that means. I mean, but that's what it says. <laughs> and like my brain reading that sentence was different than how their brain read that sentence. It was like, no, I think it means this. And you're like, no, but I think it means this. So it's this weird thing. And I wanted some adjudication, whereas with the when we got into arena, all of a sudden it made sense to me. 
oh, I read that. That's not how it works. But when I played in the game, it shows me how it works. So I, again, you're right where you're saying there's that two sides to the coin, right? There's the, the, the coin flip. I think role-playing games, learning them from scratch out of the book really takes certain types of people and personalities that like to do it. And usually that person and that helps all of the others that don't have that personality. Right. So you are that personality and you like to help people understand it that didn't have that personality or drive to, to learn it themselves. I'm was the latter. I was, I wanted somebody to teach me or show me. I'm now become, I like to learn it myself too out of the book. I like to read it, figure it out, see it. And then try to figure out how that would actually work, whether it's testing it or asking somebody or, or going through it and doing it. So now I've switched and I, I do appreciate your viewpoint now more. And that's my viewpoint now. Whereas I think of before I was just like, how do I do this? You guys tell me. I just keep picturing you. I get to you. roll plus 20. What? Yeah. <laughs> I just keep picturing you as Vader and you're like, I was but the learner, but now I am the master. And the master. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it's and you're right because like uh, I love my wife very much. She never learned how to how to play her character on the character sheet. Yeah, <laughs> and you gave her it a was three page character she was sheet. Interested probably. in as much. Yeah, uh, and I say interested in in that she liked the game. She liked playing with yeah. us. But I want to understand the mechanics, and so I would understand the mechanics. Yeah, and then if you get into a game that's more less mechanics and it's more about rules light i think sometimes that's even harder for people in some ways because for now the there's not this codified yeah. thing <laughs> to say oh i just i have 10 things i can do i'm picking one of those versus you say you could do anything yeah. what do you want to do and they're just like i have no idea what i want to do what can i do you can do anything <laughs> you know it's like uh, no, 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 stop telling me that oh you can't do, do that, that. <laughs> <laughs> stop i want to shake your head or and there's that group, I think, too, like um, this leads into the difference between tactical play or physical play. Like you like to have maps on the board. You like to have your figurines. You like to have your um, tile sets and, and things that you can build versus theater of the mind. And there's people that love that more versus I'm so tac tactile that I want to, like you said, roll dice, move miniatures see hallways and intersections and creatures and, and forests and towns and stuff. I want to see it. I want to be able to interact with it. I want to know how far am I from that corner? Okay, I got to use 20 feet to get to that corner of cover and then I can do something versus it's, you know, I'm trying to understand what the DM's yeah. describing to me, but I might not understand. Which what is funny describing. because I do love that. And I have yeah. some 3D terrain and I love maps and stuff. But one of the most like, some of the most visual games that I remember are my kids on bikes games where we had nothing at the table. It was all theater yeah. of the mind because that's how that game is. And mm -hmm. even the monster of the week game LB ran for us. Like I yeah. have very clear images in my head of like where well, I we made were. a movie of that in yeah, my head. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because of theater of the mind. So yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Different games for different people. Uh, different sure. games utilize the, minis and stuff a lot better like obviously mm -hmm. monster of the D &D. Week, i don't want to do that as much but you right. know all those like yeah. mech games and and things like but that. but dungeons and dragons you have an ability that says if you're within 20 feet you can yeah. do this thing and you know you, so you're really trying to figure out those things so the game definitely whereas monty cook is like that. near far they have yeah. those kind it's of just somewhere whatever yeah. terms. Like, <laughs> I what love it. so i mean it's not the end of table play by any means uh no. 
I think I, virtual tabletops are going to be here to stay because they're convenient. I think a lot of people are like, oh, this like does the math for me. This is so well, cool. And you know what the ultimate form of VTT will be is when we're all in virtual reality, sitting at a virtual table, rolling <laughs> virtual dice, and we're all going to be there and it's all going to feel real and we're right next to each other anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's all going to mimic real life eventually when the technology catches up. We're just in that part of the technology is not there yet. So we're only... We're only at the 2D interface so I don't, far. We're going to get to the 3D interface. Second life metaverse that yes, uh, that's Zuckerberg gonna, that'll is happen. working on. I don't know. <laughs> and then we're only really truly waiting until they allow us to VR as our character in the game and play it as that character because that's the ultimate goal of the role player, right? Straight is up that Snow Crash. We're in Snow Crash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're in, you know, um, Ready Player One. You know, we're in, oh, no, I've been somehow sucked into Sword Art Online, and now I have to play my character for 20 years until they can get us out. That's a bummer, but I'm a cool sword, man. I'm doing all these quests and stuff. This is going to be great. So good. So. Um, I don't know how much we need to talk about this, but Spelljammer came out. Um, yeah. I've, I've done my thoughts on it, but I was curious about you. Did you pick it up? Or did you have you at least read it on D&D Beyond? Oh, you yeah, did I got my box set right yeah, next yeah. to us. Yeah, the problem was... I got it right at the same time that I've been diving into my my Pathfinder 2 dive. Uh-huh. And I'm also in NDAs of two test games. So I'm learning those rules and I'm playing around with those rules. So I've not dived into anything else but those two items. This this oh, my, yeah. my so Spelljammer's di- delve there, into Pathfinder two still in its shrink wrap. It's just kind of <laughs> I did take it out of the shrink wrap. I did look at the GM uh, thing. It looked cool. I stare at it constantly next to me, thinking I should read through more of this. The monsters are good, great. but I yeah, I really like the monsters. The art is so good, uh, and I, I I have lots of ideas of campaigns I would love to run with it, and things that are. Just from some of the, the pictures they've showed of the entities and things that you can meet while in wild space, while you're doing these different things. I was just thinking. And then Radiant Citadel, man. I still really want to tie in some Radiant Citadel to it. So there's this burning desire to do that. But I'm also kind of just loving learning about Pathfinder 2E, loving learning these. These other two games are really interesting, too. And I can't wait to be able to say, oh, they finally released them so I can say which ones they are. <laughs> um, they are from a big company that we all like the games that they put out. Um, it's not the 5e system, so it's definitely a different system. So I'm going through and trying to learn their mechanics too, yeah, which are yeah, slightly yeah. different. So then I don't have enough brain space to to do too many, but I'm trying to learn Pathfinder also, and I'm trying to learn this one, and then I'm playing D&D or I want to run D&D. So there's like three rule systems running around in my brain at the moment. So that's the other reason I want virtual tabletop stuff because it allows me not to have it in my brain necessarily well as i can and let it, the as game we're do more it. systems too like yeah. it helps to be like how does this work am again? i right so, yeah yeah some checks but um so i think it's still um it's what we is it what we wanted is really the question because all this time they tease Spelljammer, right we're gonna get Spelljammer, we're gonna get Spelljammer. so we all had ideas of what the Spelljammer book should be because we all kept saying we wanted it and they were teasing us. And then we got it and was it what we wanted? It's interesting to me that it's a three-book case, which I think is a better idea than my initial, it's just going to be a book they release, a one-off, and it's like, a you know, here's your Ravenloft, here's your, 
here's your Feywild or here's whatever, and then we're done. Yeah. We don't actually tie back into it hardly at all. Here's your Eberron book, and we're, we haven't really gotten a second Eberron book. You know, We haven't really gotten much more to it. Um, so I like that it's three. I realize that they are smaller, but I think that's so you can pass them around the table better. So I well, think that's kind of a good yeah. idea. No, the the three the three book thing, aside from the price going up, but I like price... I like it at the table because I yeah. know like I need a monster and I'm not flipping through, I'm not tabbing things. But no. these three books combined were sixty four pages times three and the Eberron book is like three hundred and ninety pages. Like there's yeah. just more information in that. And so part of me is like, I would have been fine with one book had you been able to add more content i guess uh but i i don't i don't yeah. know if they were like well if we make it three books we're gonna have to gut all this content i don't i don't think that was the case but who knows but this was also just let's try a new direction you know like why don't we just see if yeah. this is popular and we'll we'll try it out uh dragon lance is coming out december 6th and that's going to be a single book but was, what I find interesting is they're going to have this tie-in board game called Warriors of Kryn, mm-hmm. where it's a, a tactical like yeah, you war game. Battle. Like, you a have battle these game, giant yeah. battles. And I was looking at that the other day, and I'm like, well, why didn't... Like, I would have been fine with less combat rules in the Spelljammer if we got a Spelljammer board game that (laughs) we could, like, play a mini game of ship combat or something. It was kind of weird because, uh, you know, WizKids is coming out with these ship minis and then it just kind of felt like, well, it's kind of moot now. I don't know. You know, I think there's this... I think it was a blind spot for them. I think it was when they're having their design meetings and they're talking about that, because as I listen to to Chris Perkins talk. And as I listened to Jeremy Crawford, they, they really leaned into it. It must've come from the, the initial talks that Spelljammer, the part that's the ships is about travel. Yeah. To places you're going to do cool things. And that was their punchline. That was their thing. And they took that to such a level. They didn't realize that a lot of us said, no Spelljammer for some people, Spelljammer is the battle that happens when you jump on the the ship. We have a ship. We should battle with it, right? Yeah, yeah. We should fight with it. It's the adventure. And I think they totally missed that because they they stuck to their tagline of, you know, this helps you travel to other cool places that you're going to do something. And they just... They just leaned into that. And that's not what everybody wanted. Not everybody wanted the... You've explained how we're going to get to from the Dragonlance world to my Forgotten Realms world. That's great, but I was looking for, like you said, like when we when they did, um, they were talking about and teasing the descent to Avernus, and they were talking about the, kind of the Mad Max style. Oh, you're going to be able to behemoths, and what? No, they had a name for them, Infernal Machines, or there yeah, was some names for the things that were going to be able to battle and there were clans of them and just Mad Max it out. So when you start using that terminology, I'm thinking you're going to give me a lot of rules to do that. And even that was still pretty rules light. So I think they had to be careful. It was more than spell jabber, but yeah, you could do, you could do cool things in like, I was actually, I went and that was part of my video is I went back and looked at the salt marsh rules and those rules. And I'm like, yeah, 
I could definitely apply a lot of the Avernus rules to make combat more fun, ship combat specifically. Yeah. Uh, I guess that was my point is like, I shouldn't have to. Like, this should be a standalone product, I think. Yeah. I don't need to buy But I don't think adventure. also they wanted to turn the game into ship and ship combat kind of turns it into one thing fighting one thing. And I still think their idea is it's just two map pieces coming together and monsters from sense. here yeah. fight monsters from here. Those rules exist. There's no new rule you need for yeah. throwing spells, fighting with your sword and shield or doing any of that stuff. The only thing that we're saying is lacking is this ship throws some type of attack at this ship to do something, but then that turns it into a single thing that's happening with a group of six players and a GM. So mm -hmm. I also didn't think they wanted to go quite that route either, even yeah, though they wanted to keep I'm a war gamer at heart. You yeah. know, I love a war game. I'll yeah. play 40 K I'll play, you know, a Warhammer fantasy with a big army on the table. I love it, but not, that's not for everybody too. Yeah. So it's, it was like a weird catch 22 in some ways. And I, because think... I also thought there would be ship combat rules. In yeah. There. I also Just, was really sad that there wasn't, like, generators to create your own worlds. Like, they talked a little bit about Realm Space, and then this new place uh, yeah. that was called uh, Doom Space, which yeah. uh, I haven't... I was going to make a, sh a YouTube short on this, but I don't know how many people know about this, but Doom Space, a picture of it was released on D&D Beyond early ahead of the Spelljammer launch and Doom Space was called Athis Space which is the Dark Sun world but then uh, they took that down not before a few people screenshotted it and then changed the name and put it back up so I don't know if they're hinting at bringing Dark Sun back uh, or if they're like actually we're not going to do Dark Sun let's just call it Doom Space and move on kind of a thing like who knows because the 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 universe of Dark Sun, nobody's left the planet of Dark Sun yeah. that I know of. So, like, although there's moons and stuff there, not a lot of people know about the the other planetoids. So they kind of had carte blanche, or they, they could have done whatever they wanted with that to call it Athis Space, but they changed it to Doom Space. Yeah. So. And now I've just realized something as we've had this conversation, totally new thought in my head. Mm -hmm. Looking back at all the stuff they've been putting out, they have been pretty lore light in the books that they put out like they have not really given us a lot of new lore and if they do it's usually only a paragraph and then they leave it open for the dungeon master to fill in the spaces like if they're going to give us something new it's one or two paragraphs and that's it well, when we're used tied to adventures like there's right. lots of new stuff that was happening in sort of some of those but, adventures but yeah but what i mean is like keith baker is building the lore of eberron like you can go and he is constantly putting out this is what yeah. this place is this is what the history of this is this is what this they have not really wizards of the coast have not been building on yeah. the history and the timeline. They have not been adding to or refining or going in depth in something that hadn't been defined before. So now that it becomes, they've just totally got away from canon and lore stuff, except from a very surface level. They, I feel like they don't dive deep anymore. Like a, like a Keith Baker does, or even a Monty cook. Monty Cook dives into his worlds. You don't go into playing Invisible Sun without him diving into a lot of the stuff that's going on there and giving us, you know, that information. And 
yes, we can make it up as a dungeon master, and yes, we can fill in pieces, but we kind of want your world too. We want to well, know where that's What about Dungeon of the Mad Mage? So. Like, aren't you learning a lot about Waterdeep and Faerun going through that? Is no. There... No? Okay. No, not, not at all. It's It definitely seems more like a... It is, I feel like, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, spoilers for anybody that's out there, is more of your quintessential kitchen sink dungeon. Mm-hmm. Nothing has to... Everything is explained by, well, Hallister built this place and put it there. Nothing has to have a reason of, oh, the drow settlement is here because the river came through here and there was a crack in the earth and that made sense for them to put a city here and that's <laughs> why it is. Or this fortress we found, There's you don't find out a deep dive into the history of who built the fortress. Why was the fortress there? Why is it empty now? Who you know? What's all the damage? It doesn't dive into that. It just says it's there and you're dealing with what's there now. And if anything seems odd, like how did this thing get here? Well, the answer is always Halister put it there or Halister created it there. And so it's not really a deep dive into the stuff about Waterdeep. You're not, I'm not finding anything new about Waterdeep. I'm finding out how crazy is Halister, how powerful is Halister. And why are these, not even the whys, there's just factions that exist in this place that's called, you know, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage now. So even that one, or the when we did um, Tomb of Annihilation, we did learn about Cholt some, but it wasn't a deep dive into Cholt. It wasn't like an encyclopedia level or even a Keith Baker level of description of what Cholt is and what's going on in Cholt. But I don't, and what's I don't the think players want that, in all honesty, which is probably I why. Do. Like, I do. And there was a lot of things, yeah. if you read the earlier Cholt stuff, I want it. Uh, <laughs> that there were ramifications for the things that happened earlier on that are now in tomb of annihilation. So yeah. uh, in that instance, they are updating lore. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you guys, but Nasrisi, but like he, but it's lore that existed. Yeah. They didn't, I don't think they made up new lore for tomb of annihilation. I still no. think it was stuff that came from yeah. three third edition, second, well, wherever like, tomb of annihilation is, came from is new in that. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, now I want to spoil it. Let me go look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, and I just I think they've still been stuck on they're allowed to bring in stuff to 5e that came before, but they've had a really tight rein on letting Chris Perkins and Jeremy Crawford create things that never existed and now are part of the world or here you guys get to create canon that wasn't there before. They just that's there's some of it, but not a lot of it, um, which surprises yeah, me. And I guess that's because we haven't had a lot of novels either. Um, yeah, but. To have counterpoint here, uh, yeah. I was saying his name wrong. It's Rasnisi. So Rasnisi. He is this like rotting mummy uh, with a snake tail, but a, a torso on top, like um, the the snake people. I can't. I'm blanking on their names right now. Um, uh, the Yuanti. Yuanti. So he was a chosen of Uptau. And he left and got, like, all dead and stuff because of problems with Ubtau. Uh, but that was just, he was just a person. He then, like, went in with the Yuanti and kind of adopted their ways. And that's when he got this snake tail and stuff. And so, like, he kind of changed over time. Um, El Terrell is kind of the same thing. In early Forgotten Realms books, El Terrell just has this giant white light over the city. We don't understand mm-hmm. what it is. It wasn't until Descent into Avernus that they explained what that light was over El Terrell. 
mm-hmm. now that light is no longer there and that's huge you know so there's little things like that i guess but we're not getting lore books per se no, like i agree right. <laughs> we're getting tidbits we're getting little pieces. Mm-hmm. like they're allowed to do a small piece but they certainly weren't allowed to do a large piece of creation that hadn't existed before the way i feel like so they've always i feel like they've been stewards of the material versus brand new creators they didn't just come out and say hey guys we've got this new thing you've never heard of and it's called planescape look at all the stuff we've just built like that monty cook was building crazy new in-depth lore back when they were doing those things or you know i just haven't seen this crew you know, the, the developers because we've all been me. forgotten realms over and over and over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and we've said this before, like, and maybe we'll get it with one D and D I want, we want a new, uh, campaign setting that is designed around like fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. So don't shoehorn forgotten realms in there. Like right. how, like straight up, like and maybe one D and D here's your rule set where we know like, how the rules work. Yeah. Here's now, the rule set. The here's the really cool world. Here's where world. tieflings come from in this world. It's different mm-hmm. from the Forgotten Realms. Here's where, yeah. you know, like like what Eberron did, where it's like, here are these races that are very tied to the setting, I, but it's still 5th edition D&D. I think that would be cool. Yeah. And just their version. I like seeing other people's version. And when we kickstart, like we've talked about, you know, all the Kickstarters we've been a part of, a lot of these other people that are doing Kickstarters, they're saying, here's this world we've imagined. Here's these new things you can think about. And here's what's different about our world, our campaign setting mm-hmm. that sets it apart. They're not trying to build up uh, another island in Forgotten Realms. They are building a whole world that has some concept around it. The thing me and you get so excited about when we talk about the cliff is about a brand new world that will that would incorporate all the 5e rule set or whatever rule set you want to use with it yeah. but the world was going to have all this stuff about it and all these cool things about how did this thing happen and what is the ecology that grew up around it and how does that affect the weather and what are the things that you see when you do it and what are the monsters and you know there's so much that come around this one piece of information that ties it kind of all together and makes it this cool campaign world that's different than the others um we just haven't seen them create their own world. They haven't created their Dark Sun. They haven't created their Dragonlance Kryn. They haven't created, they've only reiterated what was out there before. Maybe that's really what 5e is. It's really just the system that has gone back and refined and, and modernized the old stuff. And we haven't had the system that's about all, some new world. Some I new guess thing. I, you know, uh, it's not. It's not Hasbro, it's not Wizards of the Coast, but uh, Taldori in Critical Role. That that maybe that's the five E in some system. ways, but like that's but the he brand new five E system, you know, yeah, for people he's... that are thinking about it. Because yeah, uh, and there's lots of other third party stuff, but that's the only one that I can think has the the blessing of wizards of the coast not that you need that but they have that so i don't know and you know he puts thought in it kind of like keith baker does i think i put keith baker up on a pedestal like a monty cook a keith baker of when they want to create a world they're thinking in depth they're thinking about money exchange systems they're they think about tidal way you know the the tidal charts and stuff they get deep into their world building versus the other types that are just kind of surface level they give you a little bit, but they, they'll just let you build the rest as the dungeon master. And that's that's fine. I just think there's those different ones. And I put Matt definitely thinks about his world and has taken a lot of parts from 
you know, the games he's played and stuff and his world, but what gods he has and how they work, the history, you know, the continents and what they do and, and that stuff. So he puts a lot of thought in it. I think Keith Baker puts a lot of thought into it. Monty Cook is one of those that puts a lot of thought into it. Um, creating new stuff, new things, yeah. new new lore, new great for lore channels, <laughs> which, you know, would be great. That's what YouTube, that's the best of YouTube is to me is like lore channels and, and things like oh, that. Shucks. That's what it's all about. I mean, about, that you know? AJ Pickett, he's so good. That AJ guy. <laughs> that Mr. <laughs> Rex. Top yeah. Lord, that's that brings the good stuff to me <laughs> when you can dive into somebody who's willing to read the encyclopedia of information and bring out the cool pieces that we might have missed or didn't know about or didn't have the time to go through the seven books to figure out, right? Um, that's that's what I always wanted. So Spelljammer to me felt light. I think that's you know what kind of where we went with that. Yes, it doesn't really have ship combat so you're not going to have fleets of ships fighting other fleets of ships it's not x-wing versus tie fighter at this point um it is better and should maybe be described better as spelljammer is about the travel to new worlds and your adventures are happening on those new worlds yes there may be something that happens in the middle of the travel but that's not where most of it happens. It's not a game about what happens during travel. It's a game about getting to a new place you've never been able to get to before. I think would be a better description of what this version of the Spelljammer is. So, I yeah, and I mean, and I think that's a good place to end there too. Like I, I don't know. I, I definitely feel like I could run a really interesting Spelljammer game, but I would be incorporating a bunch of stuff that I've already researched and read. Yes. Um, I I will be curious if there is a actual play of the adventure. I kind of want to listen to somebody actually play through it and see if they enjoy it. The adventure is very railroady. It's very uh but it is very it feels like an episode of Star Trek where it's like here's what we have to do and then it ends on a cliffhanger so that you'll stay tuned next week and I thought that was yeah. a new and interesting way to <laughs> approach uh Dungeons and Dragons as like this uh, well, a monster of the week TV show, you know, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, like so. Mm-hmm. Um, have you played any games, sir? Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, well, not role playing games. We've had about a two week hiatus of <gasps> playing role playing games. Do um, I need to talk to uh, Danimal? Is he slacking yes. on his DM job? Slacker. <laughs> One was well. The first week was my fault, and then the second week wasn't. So I'm okay with that. It wasn't two weeks in a row that it was me. Um, but I also think, you know, we're we're deep into Dungeon of the Mad Mage. We know we still have some ways to go. But it's okay that I think we're getting a little bit of a break because we have been we have been playing that one for so long. And things yeah. have, you know, we have been diving yeah, into it to take a little bit now? of... You guys have I don't, been on that game for a yeah, while. It feels like a long time. Yeah. yeah. I don't even remember when dragon heist was which is what we started with because we went right from dragon heist right into dungeon of the mad mage right and we had done that right after we had done the chult game so we went through the full you know version of that kind of thing so it's definitely been two nice big long campaigns um so it's okay that i think if we have a break what i've been able to do and we talked a little bit about this in the pre-show is i bought the humble bundle uh all the pdfs for pathfinder 2e because I have been reading the books, my pocket-sized books, which I still love to use. Yeah. Um, but I also wanted a 
PDF version so that if I start to talk people into playing, I can take snippets out and say, here's this rule, or I can, you know, I can have them ready on my virtual tabletop if I go to set my game up and I can put my stats in and I can well, I just, grab I mean, different yeah. things from the I don't even think you need to justify PDFs. it. I just like having PDFs of things yeah. because it's there's I like have a multitude both. of uses for them. <laughs> so. Yeah. And so I've been doing that and I am in two playtest games that are super fun from a company I love and I buy lots of their products. And it was cool that I just, you know, out of the blue, they'd send a test email to say, hey, sign this NDA and you can come play this game. And I'm enjoying stuff. I'm just, there's some cool stuff in it and it's got me excited. I've been trying to figure it out. It's a fun system. It's one we've recognized before, but they're playing with some mechanics on the inside of it. So hopefully once it's all said and done and they've kind of announced it, I'll be able to come back around and say, well, this is what it was. And this is the cool things I was getting to do. I wanted to try to get players together, but one thing they're doing with this that I think is really cool is they're setting up like a test discord for the players that are in their group. So you can go to that Discord and you can find people that are willing to do a playtest session or willing to right. looking for a playtest player. So we're all kind of there for that singular reason. It's not just we're in a big community and we're trying to find people that are like-minded in that big community. It's like, here, we're going to build this little community that are all here for the same reason, doing the same thing. So I kind of like that too. And I think that's why Discord is such a cool thing to use now to get into other people's communities and, and find yeah. other like-minded people. So another reason virtual is, is cool. I couldn't play any of this sitting at my table uh, if I didn't have any virtual tabletop stuff. Um, but I do want a character builder for Pathfinder 2 because it's complicated enough that I want to know I'm doing it right. Yeah. And I know a character it, yeah, builder yeah. would help me know <laughs> I'm doing it right. <laughs> you got to find a... You, well, if that's not coming fast enough you need to find a, yeah. a pathfinder 2 friend and then i do i need some pathfinder 2 friends for sure oh, there's probably some dog. in our chat chili dog's back chili back. dog every time you you put that in our notes i was like every when you named your dog chili and all i want to ah. say is baby back ribs chili, chili you got baby, baby back ribs you got you go did you get a rabies vaccine maybe <laughs> was chili the dog's name before you guys got them or did you just no, decide we're changing it, this dog's name yeah it was moxie um ah. And we toyed with the idea of calling her Roxy, but yeah. after a day and a half of Roxy, I was like, yeah, I'm just not feeling it. And so we went yeah. with Chili, and so she's right. Chili now. Well, you just get enough biscuits, and that dog just knows that she'll that's just, yeah, name. she'll come to whistles or whatever. We'll <laughs> yeah. She's still, she's yeah. still a puppy biscuits. running around, but that's our, that's our puppy. I did well, have What about a you playing games? I wanted to show you the two important oh, yeah. things in my life. Uh, uh, you can't see this, um, Lucian, but the rest of the um, YouTube people can see a, a picture of Chili Dog and my Switch, or my uh, my Switch, my Steam, Steam deck. deck. Oh my god. <laughs> Hand Party your slip. Steam Deck in. Um, I've been playing a lot of Octopath Traveler, which is a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, that's the new puppy. Um, but yeah, no, I've actually been pretty, pretty busy. Uh, we did my game with uh, Dungeon Master Nathan, mm-hmm. and where I'm an artificer, and we were exploring uh, a tower that was creating some kind of uh, potion that was making people go crazy, um, and turning them kind of like cultish fanatical, like they would uh, 
like a rage juice almost, which is kind of a fun mechanic. Um, mm -hmm. Leaving there, after we like sabotaged a whole bunch of stuff and got some information, we ran into a tower that walks on fingers. It's got these giant hands. Mm -hmm. And we went inside and it was kind of a big maze. Uh, and then we found out that it's full of vampires. And apparently he built this for one of our other players who <laughs> has been playing D&D with us for a long time and is like, I've never fought a vampire. I want to fight vampires. And so we have a vampire <laughs> tower because he's like, yeah, this is for you. And it's like, oh, so we had a lot of fun uh, killing vampires. Came down to my last spell slot, like healing people. I'm like, ah, I'm not supposed to be, I mean... I, I can heal when I need to, but as an artificer, I don't have the spell slots to keep people up. And so I'm right. just like, ah, here's your, here's your 1d8 cure wounds. Like, I hope you're okay. Here's your um, temp HP. Yeah, here's your temp HP. Oh, wait, what kind of artificer are you? Uh, I'm the, oh, what is it called? Uh, I'm the the ballistics one with like uh You have two wands? Oh, yeah. So you have a little turret with you, right? Yeah, yeah. And my turret... Yeah. Because you can make the turret small, mm -hmm. uh, no, sorry, because you can make the turret miniature, um, I actually have it in my other hand as a gun. So I have these, uh, I have these dual wands that I'm like shooting out and stuff, but I could potentially make it small and it could like walk around, but I've just yeah, been like, our artificer yeah. has a, it's kind of like our R2D2 kind of Oh, thing. that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't know I would enjoy the artificer as much as I have been, but it's been really fun to, I do a spell and I always say like, okay, I'm casting a spell, but what it looks like is I'm pulling out this like green vial, I'm plugging it into the top of my gun and then I'm spewing acid or something. And, yeah. uh, our new player was like, that's like really cool. And I'm like, yeah, and, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a regular spell, but it's kind of fun yeah, it to flavor like it this yeah. way. I'm like, I don't know. Oh. I've been having a lot of fun just reimagining re how magic works for him. Yeah. So, because uh, I have like blur, and so it's always like he's got a knob on his chest that he turns up and then he shakes back and forth so that he's. Well, that that to makes hit. me think of. I have a question before you continue. Yeah, yeah. Are you playing your favorite character you've ever played in any of your role playing games, or is there still something in the past that you played that is still considered your? your favorite character of all time. And I'll, while you're thinking for a second, to give you a, a moment to think, I am right now I playing my favorite character I've ever built, which is my Twilight Cleric Arcane Archer kind of hybrid yeah. of the Aarakocra and themed off of Moon Knight and all these things I can say and do that have to do with night and shadows and darkness and, mm. and Khonshu and, and doing all that. This has been my really my favorite character of all time. So it's fun to be playing that right now in the moment. What about you? Are you in the moment playing your favorite character of all time? Or is there some other character I mean, that you just remember as your there's favorite? Always, there's always that character. Well, you like all of your characters. Oh, I like them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if I had to pick, it would probably be Josh A. The I was Conjuration Josh A for some reason. Yeah. Uh, okay. But, Espen the Flame Sorcerer was also very fun. Um, that was the Acquisitions Incorporated game. So we only got to level five. Uh -huh. But I liked that character so much that I leveled him up to 20 to do the Vecna one-shot. Yeah. Um, and it's not even about mechanics. I just liked how egotistical he was, like walking mm -hmm. around and then flames everywhere. Like it was just kind of an exploding thing. Uh, Josh A was very... Uh, very uh greedy 
And so there was a lot of like, how much can I barter for this and kind of things like that. And I had a lot of fun with that character in that way. So I st- I think Josh is my favorite, but I also got to play uh-huh. him a lot longer than yeah. Espen the Flame Mage. And that's yeah, this probably might be the why, character so. I play the longest too right now. Yeah, actually. And then my other, my first character was the Eldritch Knight, the Warforged. And oh, I miss yeah. him. Uh, uh, his name, his name was Seven, and Seven would Seven. be a lot of fun to play again. Um, but alas, those campaigns are long, long, long ago. Because <laughs> <laughs> right, I think going. whenever we get back, we'll probably play um, new characters. There's always a reason to play new characters. Well, and I love building new characters, and I love thinking about new characters. But sure. one shots bringing you back old characters for one shots that's got to be the best thing ever. Where you're like, yeah. oh, like yeah. So much, and they're fun. they're changed in some way. Like you're okay. Ten years have passed now, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. like leveling them up a couple levels. I don't know. It'd be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. we. I am running the Great Modron March, uh, which yep. is going to have my Banana Bunch crew from Nerd Immersion minus <laughs> Brenna. She couldn't make it back. Uh, we were supposed to start last Thursday, but there was an emergency, and so we had to cancel because one of our players. So I think we're tentatively starting this upcoming thursday so Ooh. be on the watch out maybe the maybe the 15th that's the thing but um i've been doing i will be doing some live streams of game prep so uh that's going to be on the main channel so subscribe to that and then we'll do some live streams here and there my dcc players are in england so we haven't been able to play dungeon crawl classics because they're gone and then i have been playing lots of my steam deck because it is so much fun really cool piece of uh hardware and i'm loving it yeah so Very i was playing cool. uh no man's sky the other day it was great oh like, just sitting my there God, such a good game kids watching tv i'm like this is awesome play all the games <laughs> i want modron march is going to be a lot of fun my players are the same characters so they're starting at level 12 so a lot of the adventure is me converting well, wait, it not only do they for... have the rod of seven parts uh you didn't listen to the you didn't listen to the final episode did you I didn't want to spoil it for everybody, uh-huh. but maybe if somebody's going to come in and listen to that part, will they have the Rod of Seven Bars? I mean, did you listen to the final episode? you know what happens to the Rod? Parts? Cliffhanger? Maybe? I don't remember. Was I there <laughs> for the final one? I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. You'll have to go have back to go and back. listen. <laughs> uh, it'll be no. a lot of fun, though. We're really excited chat, tell to me. play again. Say what? Tell me, chat. Chat, tell me chat. if they had the Rod at the end. For sure. Um, and with that, I think we'll be back next week. I don't see another reason that we're missing, and I'll probably have a Rod of Seven Parts to talk about at least, or at least we can talk about more uh, Steam games. It'll be great. <laughs> or various other uh, Kickstarters that might show up in the meantime. Uh, still still looking forward to my MCDM Knights book that's going to come at some point, I hope. Yes, for sure. Uh, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much Yay. for watching. Thank you for listening and liking and subscribing and all that jazz. Uh, we will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Take care.